Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's Lodestar's Lending Leaders. We have a special guest today, George Baker. He is president of Documents LLC, um, a company that helps people comply with the limited English proficiency re regulations uh, by Fannie and Freddie, um, and really just helps you grow your business at the end of the day. Um, he's going to describe this a lot better than me, but really excited to have a conversation. Um, the LEP guidelines were something that I knew nothing about before uh, we spoke. So really excited to dive into it. I think it's something that's going to be really pertinent for a lot of folks listening today. So George, thanks for joining. It's my pleasure. So Thank tell you, us Jim. a little bit about documents, kind of what led you to start the company and you know what got you into the mortgage industry, I guess, even before that. Yeah, so I, uh, I, I have been in the mortgage industry um, for a lot of years, um, over three decades. And um, basically towards the end, my experience culminated with running call center. So our call center was in about 34 states. And one of the disadvantages that you have running a call center, of course, is that you don't have the opportunity to meet people face to face. So we had to come up with digital media that helped uh, compensate for that particular negative. So. What we did was we came up with our proprietary version of documents, which accompanied LOs, and it helped to express um, different um, mortgage terms, conditions, paperwork, and things of that nature associated with the mortgage loan. And it was a wonderful way to originate a loan because what happened was that we actually gained um, a great following because people simply understood. For the first time, they really understood. And in addition to that, what we were doing along with the loan originator was we were building comfort and trust, which are the two most important things in any sales process by providing digital aids as the loan was either being originated or most importantly, as the loan was being processed and then closed. Mm -hmm. um, so a, a brief example, this goes back to the HUD settlement days. Um, mm -hmm. Many times people just didn't understand the HUD settlement statement, um, actually most of the time. So if you, for example, were doing a refinance or no closing cost refinance, people were always suspicious. So what we did was we provided a digital tutorial as to their specific HUD settlement statement. So mm -hmm. when they went to the closing table, they understood exactly what they were looking at. So it was just a great way, again, of getting loans and keeping loans. And that's where the idea of documents was born. Um, so by definition, uh, we created a product which is a step-by-step -step digital home loan guide. Um, so what we do is we provide transactional clarity to the 150 plus pieces of paper that we ask people to read, review, and sign, which all of us in the mortgage industry know that nobody gets and nobody signs. It's just robo-signing left and right. It happens all the time. So by providing this transactional clarity, by using these digital tools, these suite of digital tools, um, again, it's, it's just a, a, a great way of doing business. It's a great way of branding a company. It's a great way of branding a, a loan originator. Um, and then what we did was we add languages to it, um, because our demographics in the United States are changing. So the combination of the languages, um, being helpful with respect to future loan originations, along with the opportunity to help native English speakers understand the mortgage process and the terms and conditions of the loan just seem to be a really good combination. Mm -hmm. I appreciate the, the mention of the HUD. I actually got my start uh, with Lodestar in 2010 when they were adding uh, th the fourth and fifth pages to the HUD uh, oh, yeah. form. So, and I think um, 
with the exception of my dad, who's an attorney for 42 years, and he waxes poetic about how easy the HUD was to understand. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone else really misses that form at the end of the day. So I, I appreciate kind of the callback there. Um, and I like the distinction too of folks who maybe they are native English speakers, but this is still a confusing process, right? Is there a particular step that you find causes the most confusion or is it just a little bit of everything? I think it's a little bit of everything. So generally what I have found, um, and these are guesstimates on my part based on our monthly surveys was, you know, 20% of folks out there are capable of just reading the paperwork and they're fine. Um, there's another 20% that just don't care. <laughs> it's just, where do I sign? You're gonna give me a loan? Okay, where do I sign? And we're really now dealing with like 55 to 60% of people that really do have an interest um, mm -hmm. in understanding what's going on. Uh, the problem with the mortgage industry is that we are slow to change. We are slow to adopt technology, um, which makes us rather unique. And um, people really do wanna understand what's going on. We just don't provide the tools to facilitate that. The only source of reliable information and reference for a mortgage loan applicant is the loan originator. And, you know, by and large, loan originators are hardworking, good people, honest people. Um, but that's from a regulatory perspective, you know, we kind of bring regulations upon ourselves, not recognizing that from a regulator's perspective, if the only source of information, reliable source of information, because people don't understand the paperwork is the LO, that's kind of like the fox being in charge of the hen house. So it doesn't make much right. sense um, to have that kind of a situation when technology really solves problems. And ultimately, from my perspective, uh, multilingual, digital, step-by-step, -step, home loan guide type of, uh, of, of technology, one of its main benefits is really a regulatory aspect, not just meeting the regulations, but helping to defer regulations or penalties associated with infractions that we might I, I like the fox running the headhouse uh, analogy. I mean, you're talking to the person who has the, one of the most to gain out of closing the mortgage is actually the one who has to explain everything um, going forward. The thing I really- think, hmm? Excuse me for one second. Now think about a Hispanic borrower who is not a, not a native English speaker, okay? Mm -hmm. So English speakers don't understand the documents. We're now gonna give it to a, a, a non-native English speaker um, and we're going to ask him to understand the documents. Mm -hmm. uh, there again is more of a presence on a loan originator right. to provide clarity um, mm -hmm. in that kind of a situation. So. Well, and then if that clarity is not provided, what's what's the downside, right? If you know someone needs a mortgage, right? So they're going to go talk to you if it's too confusing. Will they just go to the next mortgage person? Will they not get a mortgage? What does it look like when you're not able to do that? So the way that we position documents is that um, it really is a business opportunity. There's the compliance side. I'm not a yeah. compliance person. So with compliance, it was one of those deals that was just a pain in the backside and you just have to put up yeah. with it, do what you told, that kind of stuff. For me, it was all about originating loans. Um, and that's what it is in the mortgage business. We're in a really competitive industry. Um, you know, just a fraction of an interest rate or just a couple of dollars could swing the difference. So what we're all looking for is a slight competitive advantage to help us mm -hmm. uh, as we try to originate more loans than our competitor. So um, the opportunity to provide what I call an educational sell to a loan applicant really carried a lot of weight. There's an old saying, the more you tell, the more you sell. 
Mm-hmm. So for those people that really had an interest in understanding things and by using digital tools, which make it very simple to understand mm-hmm. terms, fees, uh, parameters, features, benefits, those types of things. Um, by using those kinds of tools, um, lenders just look different. And most importantly, they look more professional. So we have a common situation where here's 150 pieces of paper. Now go ask your LO if you've got a couple of questions. Or we have 150 pieces of paper, and here's a step-by-step guide that's going to answer the majority of your questions that you have. And -hmm. if you still have questions, just click this button and ask your LO to explain what you don't understand. Mm -hmm. So it's technology working with human capacity to really achieve the best consumer experience. And that's another thing. We lenders talk about uh, consumer experience being one of our top priorities. Um, Mm -hmm. Most recent survey was number two. Number one was keeping a hold of our employees. But number two was improving the consumer experience. We talk about it a lot, but we really don't make, um, in my opinion, uh, large steps towards fulfilling that particular promise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, other industries, as they try to gain customers, what they do is anything that the customer wants, they'll speak in the manner that the customer wishes to be spoken to, they'll give information in the manner that the customer wishes to receive it. But in the mortgage industry, we don't do that. Here it is. This is how we do business. You adapt to us. So it's kind of strange. And that's obviously part of our regulatory framework. Mm-hmm. We provide legally efficient paperwork that covers our backsides, but it's just missing that really crucial component, Jim. And it's a business factor. The more you, the more you tell, the more you sell. Mm-hmm. If, you feel, if you can make somebody feel comfortable with this process, which for many po- folks is a complicated one, you're simply going to get business. You're going to get more business referrals and word of mouth referrals. A saying I say a lot, which is the flip side of that, is the confused don't buy. I like, I have to use that. I'm going to yeah, steal well, it. Now, now we'll, we'll, we'll trade some sayings. But again, <laughs> like if you're confused, I'm just going to walk out. I don't understand this. I'm not comfortable. Right. I'll figure it out later. The confused right. don't buy. So confused, uh, I like that. that. Um, the thing that we talk a lot here too is you know this is a relationship business and a technology business so the folks who do really well we had um, Kevin Peranio on here last season from PRMG and he really talked a lot about using um, technology to leverage what an LO can do right so now I'm not on the phone with you saying hey what's your credit score what's the address okay what's your job what's your income what's your car payment that's not a high touch point right I'd rather say hey George what how can we help you? Or what does this refinance mean to you? Or actually talking about something that builds a relationship. So now you're using technology to then help build that relationship. I feel like a lot of title companies, a lot of mortgage companies, they're trying to find a market. So, hey, who at our company speaks Spanish? They're in charge of Spanish stuff. We're set, right? That's correct. Not in your head. So I assume that you see a lot of people do that and probably fall flat. Yeah, Jim, it's, 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 um, um, you know, Key, if I can just rewind the, rewind the clock just a little bit, because you said something that was really important. Um, mm-hmm. I remember a conversation with the largest uh, depository loan originator in the United States, mm-hmm. and they had uh, a fleet of people um, uh, that were answering uh, problems uh, mm-hmm. uh, associated with mortgage originations. And the person that was in charge of that particular division said to me that if you really narrow down 80% of the complaints that they had to handle, it came down to one word, and that one word was miscommunications. And uh, this is what we're trying to solve. This is what we're trying to address. Um, uh, Not only is it good for 
Not only is a digital guide good for loan originations by removing confusion, uh, but it also really lowers support costs um, with respect to uh, complaints, concerns, and those types of things uh, that will naturally occur no matter what mortgage company you're with. One of the things that we do, we have a product mortgage sentinel that conducts fallout surveys. So we see why borrowers don't sign with a particular lender. Um, do they go with someone else? Um, do they just not qualify in whatever case? What, what happens? And one of the things that's interesting is about 70% of the folks that a lender runs credit on don't close with them, right? So that's a lot of people you're doing some sort of work for that you're not realizing any revenue. Um, and even if you can tilt that up a few percentage points by miscommunication, lack of confusion, limiting any of that, um, it, it really helps to, to close that gap. Yeah. One question I, I had for you too is, as the market's getting more competitive, as the home buyer demographics are changing, um, I'm sure a lot of people come to you and say, hey, there's X community um, in my where we do business and I really want to kind of break in and do business there. Um, so how do I start selling to them, you know, to the Vietnamese community in my state? Let me hire a Vietnamese speaking LO, you know, what else can we do, right? So how do you find lenders who do something like that well um, approaching it? So Jim, that's a great, great question. So um, let me just tackle the part I don't like that much, but just to get it out of the way, the sure. regulatory issues associated with Mm -hmm. um, originating loans uh, with non-native English speakers. So currently, as we speak right now, there's 31 states that either have um, limited English proficiency laws that state mm -hmm. that if you speak to someone in a language other than English, you have to provide either the contract documents in the language that was spoken or the TILA documents. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a whole bunch of states that have what are called unconscionability standards. Now, that what that means is that if you knowingly engage in a situation where you have somebody sign an agreement, knowing that they don't understand the agreement, that's a violation of the unconscionability laws or standards of that particular state. So using your example, when a person wants to appeal to a particular online segment, let's say a community that speaks Vietnamese, what most mortgage lenders do right now is, as you said, they'll go out and they'll hire a Vietnamese loan originator. That Vietnamese loan originator will then deal uh, with the community um, based on his service, based on interest rates, other types of factors, he will hopefully cultivate a following in that community. So that's typically how it's done. The problem with that particular arrangement is twofold. Depending upon what state they're uh, originating loans in, they possibly are violating these LEP laws. I kind of call it driving a car with faulty brakes. Eventually, these lenders are going to crash because not only uh, with our example, is that done? It's done everywhere. Um, and the reason that lenders simply hire multilingual LOs to originate loans from uh, different cultural groups is because it's the easiest thing to do. And it's very difficult to comply with these unconscionability standards or these LEP standards. And regulators, by the way, don't really catch them. So if a regulator was to look at a loan and it says Jose Martinez is the borrower, how does that regulator know that that person couldn't speak English very well? He doesn't, right? So we're, we're lenders either by default with respect to, to pursuit of business um, or by default by not having a readily available solution are truly violating these particular standards all the way across. 
Um, now, when you throw also in there some of the federal regulations that possibly can be coming out, the first one is a bill called HR 3009. Mm -hmm. It's going to require lenders to provide resources in eight languages, and then three years after enactment, uh, four more languages will come on board. Mm -hmm. And uh, the nine priorities that CFPB put forth, uh, one of the nine was limited English proficiencies or us lenders addressing people in languages, right? So there's the compliance side. But the other problem that we have is everybody knows that more and more business is going online. Mm -hmm. So you've got the backdrop of these 31 states that have these regulatory requirements. You've got the backdrop of possible federal requirements. You've got the backdrop of people not complying with the requirements. And then you've got more and more business going online, which necessitates you talking to that applicant in that language. And that's where the problem occurs. Mm -hmm. So um, it's kind of funny. If you go to a bank teller and you go to take money out, language selections come up. If you call somebody, press two for Spanish. Mm -hmm. That's not the case in the mortgage industry. We're mm -hmm. English, 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 even though we do business in all these other languages. And the reason that we're like that and the reason that you don't notably see other languages is because of these regulations. And if a person or a lender was to actually advertise those regulations, then they're kind of putting a bullseye on their back. And by putting the bullseye now, when a regulator comes in and reviews their websites, their marketing material, they see, oh, Vietnamese. So what are you doing for limited English proficiency Vietnamese folks? Mm -hmm. So all I'm saying is that you've got, again, compliance. But as you look at the future and you think about lending really being a vehicle which is associated with online activities, mm -hmm. you know, the lenders that really will do well in this particular language development are the ones that figure out how to be able to put languages again on their website to talk to people in a standardized and consistent way in their language. And they're the ones that are going to originate the most loans, be it from a Vietnamese community, a Hispanic community, a Chinese community, uh, or, or many others, uh, obviously, with respect to the United States. So what I'm hearing is beyond just hiring someone who can speak to that community, which certainly is important. People want to talk with someone who they see themselves in. Um, it seems like the gap that that leaves is you're not having all of the documents, all of the support behind you um, that comply with the regulations. Yeah. So if you want to be like everybody else, hire a loan officer that speaks yeah. Vietnamese. And then give them English um, docs. Then, and then make sure that, you know, no one finds you from a compliance perspective. Um, but the guy or the company that is going to beat you in this particular race to cultivate loans mm -hmm. from our changing demographics is going to be the lender that not just complies with the regulations, which, by the way, technology provides a very easy solution with respect yeah. to complying to them. But the lender that's really going to rake all the business in is the one that has an aggressive online presence mm -hmm. that allows a consumer to freely search for information to answer all their questions so that they're not confused using your term, Jim. And then we build the comfort and trust because, you know, if you're gonna go fishing, you gotta go where the fish are. If you're gonna originate Vietnamese loans, knowing that a lot of activities going online, you gotta speak Vietnamese. You gotta be able to put those resources online. And that's the level that, um, Do you feel that COVID has catalyzed the shift um, with the, more things going online, the need for different languages? Was this something that was, kind of happening regardless, or is it dramatically changed in the last year? So it's interesting. I just recently had a conversation with um, a very large lender out of California, 
And what he said to me was that COVID has really changed consumer behavior with respect to their willingness to put more information uh, online. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, completing an application and putting their social security number on the application online. And he said that was one of the effects of COVID was that um, that comfort factor, I guess by necessity, mm -hmm. simply had to uh, be there. Um, uh, but the other thing too, Jim, which, which needs to be addressed is the purchasing habits of uh, millennials and Gen Xers and other, these guys do everything online. Um, it's the most amazing thing to me. Uh, the purchasing generations of today are the first ones that were brought up using Google, using iPhones, using YouTube, it's all digital to them. Yeah. So where some of the older generations like me would have an issue with the social security number, they're just much more out to do that because that's their environment. That's their world. I learned um, to tie a tie by Googling it before a high school dance because <laughs> my dad was out or he was at some other thing. I normally would ask him, I'm like, crap, how am I going to do this? Went right. online. Okay. Figured it figured out. It yeah. 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 I, I mean, I think that's a great point. I think, um, as a millennial, I think sometimes looking online for everything gets a little bit overblown because that's how it starts, but you want to deal with someone very quickly after. Um, so you want to utilize that technology, get people comfortable, show that level of expertise, and then be able to engage with them. Because once a lot of my friends who buy houses, once they're dealing with someone who they are comfortable with, they're going to stay with that person for everything. Um, and while the LO can certainly be that person, more often than not, it's going to wind up being the realtor early on in the process too. Um, so I think that's always something that's going to be interesting. And I'm sure on the real estate side, they're going through their own version of this in some way, shape or form. Right. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have to tell you, as we look at uh, Jim, as we look at advances mm -hmm. in technology, of course, you know, anyone can have an opinion. And this, my mother was very fond of saying to me, you're an expert in only one thing, and that's your opinion. And she's absolutely right. Um, but, but it's really kind of fun when you take a look and you try to project what's going to happen in our business five, 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. I'm one of the believers that thinks that we're going to get to a point, probably sooner than later, uh, where we're going to have a push button, get mortgage kind of an arrangement. So the big point of sale companies out there, ICE, Blend, Roostify, the others, for most Americans, when they apply for a mortgage loan, they're going to get a full approval in a matter of minutes as soon as they complete that loan application. Mm -hmm. The only two things that might be absent from that approval is an appraisal, which many times an AVM might substitute for, and of course, getting a flood, which might take some time. But other than that, you're ready to go. Um, the, the interesting part about that is that um, if that were to happen, I think I don't think it's a question of if it's just when when that happens, it really changes the entire dynamic of the mortgage industry. Um, because right now we're looking at a 30, 45 day process. And generally what happens, as you mentioned, is that we deal with realtors, realtors refer, refer mm -hmm. us to loan originators. But if a person who was just thinking about getting a mortgage loan went to like Zillow, for example, just to check out homes in a particular neighborhood they were interested in, and they had the opportunity to boom, get a loan commitment, even if they're not actively shopping, it's kind of like checking your credit score or checking your credit report. If we have something like that, which involves no fee and a person can get a loan commitment and they're ready to go. If you think about it, that really changes the paradigm of mortgage lending. Um, mm -hmm. It changes it with respect to where people go for loans. Uh, it changes it with respect to eliminating the old process that we had that was generally viewed as a hassle by most um, uh, loan applicants. And it might 
change the dynamics of the realtor loan originator relationship. Um, now, that's not to say that people aren't involved. I'm a big believer that we are a people business. Mm -hmm. Billions has been spent to try to eliminate realtors. They have not been successful. Um, but it's kind of interesting just to see how technology is rolling out. Well, I, I think that's really fascinating. And what I immediately thought to is if you're able to click a button and get approved for a mortgage, how do mortgage companies compete with each other? Yes. Does it become that's a right. race to the consumer? Does it become a race for service? Um, I worked in the title industry for a while and in many states, everyone's charging the exact same thing. Right, you're, you're you're mandated to. So now that's always the traditional box of donuts you bring over to the lenders because you can't price yourself any differently. It doesn't happen. So you need to do service. You need to, you know, have people like you. You have to do something else to attract people to you. And right. I think, if anything, you know, there could be the opportunity if technology just effectively levels that playing field for a one button approval. It becomes more of a sales and marketing business. Um, than it is even now, which could be I, fascinating. Jim, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I to and, and you're right. It is fascinating because, right. uh, you know, we're just not sure where things are going to pan out. Yeah. But, but yep. yeah, it's, it's just, And if people are looking at buttons and one's in their language and one's not, what button are they going to press? It's exactly right. Yeah. It's exactly right. Yeah. The thing I really like about this, this whole conversation, George, too, is what I say a ton on, on this podcast is very often the right thing to do and the thing that's good for your business can be the same thing. Um, and in most cases, it really is. Um, we talk about a lot of different things in the industry. And I think the idea of clarity and creating clarity for a consumer is one because, hey, if people can work with you more easily, if people can feel comfortable going through the process and want to close with you, you're probably going to get a lot more business. So I, I really, I'm, I'm so happy to see companies like yours really embracing that. And sure, you have kind of the backbone of the federal government behind you in some ways, but that's not ultimately the sales pitch. It's not, let's, um, let's do this or you're going to get fined. It's, let's do this because it's the right thing to do and it's going to grow your business. Yeah, it, it truly is. You know, it's all about loans from us mortgage guys. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but, you know, as you're saying, Jim, if you have a, a strategy that increases your bottom line, and um, if you're also doing a good thing with it, yeah, I mean, that's the you've just got the best of all worlds. Well, my last question too is is going through this. I just kind of kept on thinking. Twenty years ago, would we have been able to have a conversation like this? Right? Yeah. And no, but how much of that is because of technology versus right. just kind of an openness to it in general? Right? Is both of both changed? technology is certainly a big part of it, but I don't know. I think it's interesting that this is something that now is open in a way that it wasn't when people started in the industry. Yeah. I, if I can comment on that, I do agree yeah. with you. Um, when I was an originator, um, and this is not the greatest commentary on our business and please for anyone who listens to this, I'm a mortgage banker by trade. So if I pick on my industry, I'm picking on myself. <laughs> um, but in days past, providing mm -hmm. technology that provided clarity, uh, transactional clarity to a loan applicant. Us mortgage lenders really were not really keen to do it. Right. We liked having control. Uh, control was our ability to kind of manage everything. Um, but then 2008 hit. Um, and then we had um, know, before you know, know Before You Owe or TRID as we call it in the industry, which just mm -hmm. changed the total dynamics 
of, uh, of how we do business. Um, that was a paradigm shift, this 2000 page disclosure rule. So um, now we're on to, um, as I call it, the new phase of mortgage lending. And Jim, as you and I just, just talked, we're not exactly sure where that's going, but you can see glimpses of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it, it involves um, more clarity, particularly as we look at languages and even native English speakers, just more clarity uh, instead of less in the years past to try to originate mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. Well, I think in so much of, of Trid and No Before You Owe oh was about letting customers shop for a mortgage, right? So what helps people shop better than actually being able to understand the process? Right, right, so correct. We will, we will see how that gets realized, but I think it's really interesting and especially now as we have a competitive market, you know, it's a great way to kind of come at it from a perspective of plenty of how do I increase what we're doing opposed to just knuckle down on competition, knuckle down on my costs and try to kind of, you know, grin and bear it through the, all of the swings in this industry. Because if there's any one constant in the mortgage industry, it's those ups and downs. Ups and downs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, great, George, I really appreciate it. The last question we'd like to ask everyone is what gets you excited? What gets you up in the morning? You know, being in the industry for as long as you have, and you know, still going after it. You know, Jim, that's a great question. Um, I, I think um, I think the thing that gets me excited the most, particularly when I started to to commercialize this proprietary application that I had in my own uh, uh, business, um, I think it's the idea of, in my own little tiny way, because um, I'm just a little speck on this earth. Mm-hmm. Um, by introducing digital tools and languages, um, I, I, it may be something that may be part of the future, uh, I think it is, of mortgage lending. And if I can claim in my old age, my kids won't believe me, my wife certainly won't believe me, but if I can claim that I had just a little tiny part with that yep. change, then I would, I, I would feel good. Maybe that's mm-hmm. the best answer I could give you. I think that's a great note to end things on. I really appreciate your time and coming on today, George. Thank you, thank you, Jim, thank you very much. Yep. Have a good one. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Lodestar's Lending Leaders. I'd like to give a special thanks to Brian Rieger and Elena Gardner, who help us create this podcast every week. Please remember to like and subscribe the podcast wherever you listen to it. It helps us a lot. Thanks. Talk to you next week.